You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 82 and today we have Beth Livingston from WP Roadmaps on the line. Beth, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And we're going to be talking all about project management because this is, uh, I mean, I love project management as a topic because, and I know you do too, Beth, obviously, because it's your uh, your business. Um <laughs> And we're going to be talking about why it's so important and uh, how to get better at it, I guess. Is, is that the safe assumption there? Yes, exactly. <laughs> because it's not really a focus for many people, right? Like a lot of people come into freelancing and then agency life um, kind of just trying to get clients and, and fulfill the work and not really spending that much time on improving their actual delivery from a management perspective. Is that also a safe assumption? (laughs) Exactly. Because, well, the way most WordPress agencies are born, people have other jobs and other, um, they're doing something else when they discover WordPress. And then they typically build a few websites for friends and family. And then they go, wait, I could do this as a business. And so they go off and they get business training, right? You get that from the community college, how to form an LLC and all the business part, right? And then they can get, Buku's of training on how to use WordPress. But the hard part is the thing that nobody's focusing on is how do I get my projects completed on time and within budget? I mean, there's a lot of programs that have a smattering of that. Like um, Jennifer Bourne's got profitable project plan and WP elevation and all of those things. They cover a little bit of it, but nobody's focusing totally on that. And it's something that, that everybody needs to know. And there's tricks to getting this stuff done. I think you uh, touched on something there that's like really important. It's basically what project management means in plain English. Because, uh, you know, it's like, what, what's the benefit of, of even spending time on this? And you nailed it in one sentence. It's completing projects on time and in budget, which is massive. Well, there's a little, there's a little bit more to that. With the right solution or, the, right, or me, the, the solution that meets the client's business requirements. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Because... Well, yeah, that's, that's, let's dig into that. So where do we start here? Like, I think um, this is definitely a struggle for people. So why do you think it is such a struggle? Well, it's not just our industry. I think it's any tech industry. I, this is true from in the corporate world as well, that we tend to focus on the technical skills. What are your technical skills? Do you have this skill or do you have that that skill? And that's all well and good. But if you also can't get the project completed on time, because in most cases, right, like in a corporate environment, you've got a project manager and a developer. The developer doesn't really need to know project management skills because they're just a cog in the wheel, right? But in our case, the developer is often also the project manager. So they have to know. How, and we just, and so it's, it's typical. But when I gave my first WordCamp speech at WordCamp Asheville in 2018, and I had people chasing me out the door to tell me how much, how valuable what I had just given them was. <laughs> that's what kind of made me just kind of the light bulb go on and go, you know, I know how to get this. I know how to do this stuff. And I just didn't 
think that other people don't because I spent 25 years in corporate. That's why I know how to do it. Yeah. What are they? Is it like you don't know what you don't know? It's like, I feel like a lot of people might be in that. The, there's the four quadrants and one of them is like un, unconsciously incompetent or something. They don't realize it's, <laughs> it's a, uh, no, it's, it's real. Right. So if it's, you don't know that you don't, don't know what you don't know. And then your talk has probably just taken them to like consciously incompetent. So now they're like, Oh crap, I know I need to actually work on this and here's why. And then you've actually started to give them some of the skills, um, to get them to the next Well, one of the same girls that chased me down last year, I mean, in 2018, when I also spoke in Asheville in 2019, and she found me and said, you completely changed my business. Because all I did was tell her to break the job down and get paid for stuff before she does it. (laughs) Instead of the 50% up front, 50% at the end, which always means that you end up short. Um, she was like, that just changed everything for her. Wow. So it's well, very is, rewarding when that happens. Yeah, it's uh, great feedback. And actually what I was thinking about before when I said like a lot of people don't focus on the sort of service improvement, I feel like they do in a way. Um, I kind of lied there, but like the people are trying to work out, you know, what good technologies to use, like what page builder. And they, they do. It's, it, and it, like then you said um, the developer is kind of focusing on development. And that seems to be the mindset there. People are like, working out what best technology to use and how to build better websites. But then they don't actually focus on the project management and like the business needs of the client and getting things done on time and in budget. They do actually try to improve their service, but not the overall thing. So where, where should people start? Well, you have to learn these techniques, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, where Um, do people start, right? Like, so if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, like I know that my projects are often running over time, um, like budgets problem. I'm not getting paid. Like I've got issues keeping things on track or, you know, I'm, I'm taking on too many projects and they're building up and like stressing me out. Like this is classic agency life freelancer stuff. Right. And I feel like project management must be able to help somewhere there. So well, How, right. Do do what, the, what most people do is they'll go into a Facebook group and say, what's the best project management tool I should use? Because <laughs> they think the tool is going to be the answer and the tool's not the answer. Pardon me. I've got a cough. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the answer is um, learning these techniques. And that's why I started this free program that gives almost all of that information that anybody needs for free um, to learn those techniques. And where do people get that? WPRoadmaps.com forward slash join us. It's the WP Project Managers Academy. See, I, I, I released this thing <laughs> called the Complete Project Management Roadmap for WordPress last year. And um, it was received well, but it was just too much. It was... I created it almost like a software development lifecycle document. You know, they're huge and and they're <laughs> they're dry and boring and they're they're arranged in a in a project man, a project plan order. And when I was at the recurring revenue retreat and listening to you and Mike Killen and Matthew Rodella and all of those people, I got I, I realized that first of all, um I can't teach project management in a vacuum. 
right? It is, a, it is interlaced with everything else you do, your agency productivity, the stuff that comes before. You can't manage projects if you don't have any. So you got to <laughs> learn how to sell, right? Um, you got to learn how to, to make your processes. You got to be in pro, your productivity. Um, but that's when I realized that um, our people need something they can use right away and easy. So I took all the beginner stuff and I put that in this free program so that people can get that and get their, get their um, uh, hit the ground running, right? And so they can learn these things and especially new agencies can start in the right way. Um, and so uh, that's how that got born because yeah. the people are just struggling and there's nothing where they, and, and the thing is, if you go now and Google project management for WordPress, you're going to get 16 pages of plugins. <laughs> yes, it's always the case. I, in fact, I did it right before this um, just to see what come, came up. And I mean, this is the classic thing in um, that I see a lot of productivity and project management people saying. It's just like, it's not the tool. It's the process around it. It's a process you implement with the tool and you should choose the tool based on what process you want to implement. Uh, so... Uh, by the way, all of this will be linked up at um, agencyhighway.com slash 82. This is episode 82. So um, the link to Beth's WP Roadmaps course will be in there as well as um, the premium course and all that. Um, but like, let's actually dig into some of the techniques, right? Like um, I want people to go away from this with, you know, something they can actually start implementing. All right. So it, uh, the, the bottom, the, the basic, the principles on which all of this are based um, come from the six principles of productivity management for software development. And that came from a man I used to work for, for a, a big consulting firm uh, based out of Boston. And he created these six principles because his projects were always going on over time and over budget. And so um, they are define the job in detail. I've changed that to define the job in detail with a content first approach. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yes. So you could talk about this all day. I'm all about content first for, for many, many, many um, reasons. Exactly. And estimate the time and cost, of course. But I've changed that to estimate the time and cost often because we, send, we tend to think that we just estimate the project, give the estimate to the client, the client accepts it, and you're done which is not true because once you start getting into your deep dive and that sort of thing, you're going to find new requirements. You have to go back and, and re-estimate the project. Mm -hmm. Then the third one is break the job down. That's another thing people don't do. They, 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 they start with, now what kind of websites do you like and what kind of websites do you not like? And they start getting right into the design off of the very first, at, right at the very beginning. And it really should be a thing that you break down, like get your layout done first, get that approved by the client. Because those are the spots where all the content goes, right? Mm -hmm. so where are, what are all the spots? You can't even define the content until you know what the layout is going to be. Mm -hmm. But that should be done devoid of design. And then, so break the job down into manageable chunks so that when you ask your client to approve those things, it's not this big giant thing they've got to look at. All they're looking at is the layout. Sure, that layout looks good. Or no, I'd like to move this around or whatever. Um, and then just, move into just, the just more quickly on that before we move on. Right. What uh, what do you, I know? A lot of people complain that like they think their clients don't understand just looking at a layout. Um, they might get pushback from the client being like, "Oh, why is it light blue or why is it gray?" You know, like wireframes are obviously that color. Um, 
for me, that's always been fairly easy to deal with. Like, I guess my, if you just explain what, how a wireframe works and they're just looking at the layout, but I seem to hear a lot of people talking about clients that don't get it in, in this step. Um, what do you say there? Well, I heard, I think, it, I think it was on one of your podcasts. I heard, um, oh, well, who was it? Jason Resnick, maybe. I think he said, your website is not art. <laughs> it is a business tool. So Boom. you have to start looking at it from, from that perspective. And so all I want to know in this very, you ha- all right, and here's the other thing. If your client doesn't understand, it's your fault. Boom. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that. Because <laughs> it's our job to educate the client. Look, we have our heads down in this all day, every day. So we forget what we didn't used to know. And, but the client has a million competing business things going on on any given day. This is just one piece of what they're looking at. And so I, I, I sometimes do it. I'll be talking to friends or family and I'll say things that I think, Everybody knows and they don't, you know, so you have to educate your client. So I have a whole, I've just got through, um, I'm writing a, a, when it comes to content first, I'm writing a, um, how to set expectations for content, just the whole guide of mm-hmm. what do you need to tell them? Where do you need to tell them it? And, and, uh, how do you need to approach that with your client? So, That's good. Yeah. Okay, so I, I got the first three of the six principles. Yeah. I just, just quickly before we go on, it's like, I really like that. Like if, if your client doesn't understand it's your fault, like in some ways, I know there are some people that just seem like they can't be helped, but um, I totally get this because this is essentially my life as uh, I guess a, some kind of product owner with content snare, right? Like if someone comes to me like you did before we got online here um, on this call, we talked about a bunch of stuff in content snare that you didn't fully understand. You wanted some help with because you were actually doing a training module on it, I believe, um, yes. which we can talk about later. Uh, but you know, all those things that you don't understand, that's completely our fault right? Because the help's not there. Like it's not done in a co- cohesive way for certain things, you know? Um, and like, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. Like sometimes I- I've never gone and Googled content snare tutorial. So now I know what comes up when you do that. Cause that's what you've done, you know? And like that feedback is so helpful and it's like, Oh gosh, no wonder it's so confusing. Cause the first thing that comes up is an old video from the previous version. And it's like, now how do we fix that? So yeah, I mean, and that's totally on us. Uh, I feel, feel like that's something I should be regularly Googling <laughs> to see what the results are, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I just love that. Uh, and I know how true it is. Like every, it's, it's our fault if the product's not easy to understand or whatever. And it's the same applies, I feel, to um, anything you give to a client. Like uh, this is a big problem with content snare too. Some people come on and then just send uh, send a client a content request without any kind of explanation or, or help involved. and and the client goes, wait, what's this? Like we encourage people to actually provide some assistance to their clients. Right. So, um, and actually do that explanation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to come in where I'm going with this, but like, it's just help, help people understand what you're trying to say. What you well, need them to you do. know, I had, I had, a, a, an, a, an agency owner, he's a solopreneur and he likes it that way. But you know, he said, I hate training people. I hate training people. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, if you're a solopreneur in our industry, you've got to be a project manager. You've got to be a developer, a designer, and a teacher. 
mm-hmm. because you have that's how you set the client expectations is by teaching them, setting yeah. the proper client expectations, right? And um, you can kind of a lot of the time you can do it once and then continue to reuse that training, you know, like I know uh, Jennifer Bourne's a, like a proponent of onboarding automated client onboarding when she starts a project. And it's, it's just the same emails that are going out to every client, but it's about education of the process and, and that sort of thing. I know Aaron, um, Aaron Flynn is into like a welcome packet, uh, like a page on your website that talks about the process and what's involved and what the expectations are, you know, and this is, it's all, you know, uh, I don't know what the, um, the exact quote is, but it's like, um, you know, say it early and reiterate often or something like it's just keep saying the same crap to them. So they understand uh, what you need. I tell my students that all the time. You talk to them about it in the pre-proposal meeting. You talk to them about it in the proposal walkthrough. You talk to them about it while you're doing the deep dive. You know, you mm-hmm. remind them what the, okay, look, here's the, um, here's the, the penalty for not getting this content to me on mm-hmm. time. Your project goes on hold and I go to work on other things. Yeah. And you know? the same applies to everything, right? Like design feedback and any other stages. Or Approvals. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you set those expectations up front and tell them exactly here and here's why it's going to be that way. It's not just I'm being the big, bad, you know, agency owner. Mm-hmm. It's because if we don't do it that way, you're going to end up spending more money. Angel, uh, yeah. And, and it, might, it won't fit your requirements and a whole bunch of other things. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's awesome. All right. So we've done three. We've got to find the job in detail with content first in brackets, <laughs> uh, estimate the time and costs, break the job down. What's number four? Um, oh, let's see. I, I know what the last two are. Why am I not? Why am I drawing a blank for that? One? Um, <laughs> Need the list in front of you. Well, let me just, they're not in any particular order. So I'll go on to the other two and um, then, oh, get sure. the right resources involved. Uh, Okay, now that could be, it used to be when John Keane first developed those, those um, principles, it was get the right people involved. Mm-hmm. Because when you're managing a big project with 60 or 80 or 100 people on it, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But then he realized later it's more than just people. It's resources. Get the right plugins involved. Get the right page builder involved. Get the right, well, everything. Hosting, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's the right one? It depends, (laughs) you know, it depends on the requirements of the client. It depends on what you've been using. You know, everybody's usually got a go-to theme, right? Or a go-to page builder, Um, but getting those things involved in the right way and getting the right resources involved. Then the fourth one is establish a change control procedure. That's number now, that's um, number five, by the way, <laughs> just okay. to, to stop confusion. Number five. <laughs> most most um, agencies have a change control procedure, so I've actually expanded that to be um, establish uh, a change control procedure, establish and stick to your change <laughs> control procedure, because that's what the problem is. And it's, you know, um, pure scope creep. Well, I'll just throw that in. It's not going to take a minute. You know, it's not going to be, you know, I'll just add that change in. I'm not going to charge them for it. Big mistake. Mm -hmm. Because the first time you do it, they're going to expect you to do it again and again and again. So there's all, I have a whole lesson on scope creep and how to control it. And uh, having a good change control procedure that uses a change budget, which is like a topic for like a whole nother podcast. I like that idea, Um, a change budget. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So here's how the change budget works. This is actually magic. Let me, let me do the sixth one and then I'll come back to that. Okay. Okay. 
The sixth one is agree on acceptance criteria because that's really tied into the change control process. So if you agree on what the, the um, acceptance criteria is at the beginning of the project, then it becomes a checklist that the client just goes down and checks off. Does it all check off? They can't then say, well, I don't really like that color of blue that you used. I know that's the one I said I wanted, but, you know, well, guess what? It's on the criteria list. That's the color. You can't decline or not approve this because of that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to change the color, we can invoke the change control process. But because we've got this checklist, because we agreed what the criteria was up front, then you don't get those things on the end where people are trying to change things at the last minute. Oh, man, I love this. Oh, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you think about it, Jimmy, it's common sense. These are common sense principles that you go, well, sure, you need to define the job in detail. Sure, you need to get the right resources involved. But we don't approach it from a systemized way. No, that's the thing. We get too busy and just and just let it run by the wayside or whatever. And then this is not having this stuff defined and, and not doing this stuff is what makes us so damn busy in the first place. Exactly. And these principles actually changed my life. I mean, not only do I apply them in my work, but like when you tile your kitchen floor, you got to get the right resources involved. You got to define the job. You got to yeah. estimate the time and cost. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. You, might, you might not have a change control procedure if it's just you, but <laughs> But still, most of those principles apply to any kind of project. Yeah. So the thing about the change budget that makes it magic is it's the magic way to always come in on time and within budget. Because at the beginning of the project, let's say the project, you estimate $7,000 for the project, right? Then you say, okay, I'm going to take 20 to 30% of that, and we're going to set it aside in a separate budget just for change. That's the only thing it's used for. And guess what, Mr. Client? If there are no changes, we aren't going to use that extra $2,000 or whatever that 20% comes out to. I can't do math um, (laughs) without a spreadsheet. (laughs) um, We're not going to use that if there's no change. But if there is a change, we've got that. And and see, here's the other thing is you have to acknowledge change is inevitable because it's always going to happen. Mm-hmm. This idea that we've got a crystal ball, we spent an hour and a half with the client with a pre-proposal meeting, and now we're going we're gonna, to uh, give you a proposal, and that's going to be carved in granite. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be change. And so if you, again, set the proper expectations with your client that a project plan is just a plan, things are going to come up. You're going to remember things that you didn't think about. There's going to be things you forgot to tell me, maybe things I forgot to ask you. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. So let's put aside this 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 money and agree that if there's a bunch of change, we're going to take the money out of that and put it into the project budget. So you use your change control procedure. If there's a change to the timeline, you use your change control procedure to change the timeline. If there's if it's going to change the cost, you use your change control procedure and your budget, your change budget to change the cost. So you changed it. So now you're still under budget. And so this is great. Time. Yes. So, and, and do you give this back if you don't use it? Well, you don't ever get the money unless the change, unless they, there is change. So right. I'm wondering works, if right? you, um, if you are taking payment upfront, for example, on that. No, you know, all right. So with the $7,000, I'm taking payment upfront on that, mm. but that $2,000 that's sitting in the change budget. No, that's just sitting there. But, but then the guy says, oh, you know, I forgot to tell you about the three pages we need. We need bio pages mm-hmm. for the three partners. 
And so you go, okay, well, that's a change. Do you want it now or do you want to do a phase two? Usually they say, well, we want it now. Yeah. All right. So you do the change control form. You estimate what impact that's going to have to the project, both in the cost and the timeline. And then this is the beauty part. The client's in control of that change. Mm. You hand them the form and say, <laughs> do you want to do this? <laughs> so yes. if you want to do this, you got to go get that money out of that other bucket and put it in the project bucket. And depending on the client, I will sometimes invoice for it right then. And I don't do the change till I get paid. Yeah, absolutely. Or if it's a client I trust and I know they're going to pay me anyway, I'll just add it to the last invoice. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I was just curious, like if you, I thought at first that 2000 was inside the 7,000. Um, no, so if you, I, like, because I was actually like kind of excited of the idea of like, you know, if it's a $7,000 project and you do happen to do the 50% up front, 50% at the end or whatever, and it's like, like actually rolling it into the, the quote and the invoice that, that $2,000 and then using it up and then maybe giving some money back, like, um, I've actually done that with a client before where we did, we invoiced for something, we quoted it and it came in way under budget and we refunded and holy crap, this lady just shouted about us to the rooftops. Like every local Facebook group is like, this guy refunded me when the job didn't come in at like what they budgeted and blah, blah, blah. Well, the only problem with that, I see how it's great from a marketing perspective, mm. but the only problem with that is, do you know what caused you to go over what you what, what the real estimate was that you didn't tell her what the real estimate was? Well, no, no. So we so came that, under. That's, that's, yeah. sort of, that's sort of like padding the quote, mm. right? If you put it into the actual budget and you say, okay, look, we know it's on, we know that this project should, we should really charge 5,000, but we're going to charge 7,000 just in case there's change. But then you don't invoke that change control procedure. How are you going to improve? What if the, what if the change was something you missed? Right. Yeah. So you, you have no way to track it and keep and, and get better at what. You oh, no. I, I mean, I would still probably like I'm still saying make it known to the client that you there is a change control budget in there. But I mean, either way, I think I do actually like your way better where you've just saying this is the budget for change. And the reason I like this so much is because there's there's the two classic ways of, of budgeting or, or charging for a project. Right. Of the um, waterfall and the, um, like the agile approach, right? Where waterfall, it's like, here is everything that we're going to do in the project with this big list. And like, you know, we're going to have this page and there's going to be this thing on it. Like you've detailed everything out and it's like the price is $7,000. Um, blah, blah, blah. Like this is what you have to pay now, pay the rest later, whatever it is. And then the agile approach, it's like every two weeks, we're just going to bill hours and every two weeks, it's like, we're going to charge you for what you told us to do in the last two weeks. Um, and we try to do a lot of uh, big software development projects like that. And the way I always try to sell it is that it's like, like you're going to change stuff. It's going to happen. And... Um, I don't want to have to go through some silly variation process and like argue whether it's in and out of scope every time, you know, cause that's what happens right with the waterfall ones. It's like, they want to change the color blue or whatever. It's you have to go, okay, here is the thing. This is what you've said, you know, and, and in big organizations, lawyers can get involved with that sort of stuff. And it becomes such an expensive process, which is why I'm like, I just don't want to deal with this shit. But I love this idea. It's like sits in the middle. It's kind of like best of both worlds. So I think that's super helpful. Right. I do use a waterfall, waterfall approach. But I, see, I think John Keane is the one that actually came up with the Agile Sprint 
but he didn't call it that. He called it the 80 hour rule. We had to have a deliverable every 80 hours. It didn't necessarily, and that was 80 man hours. It mm. didn't necessarily have to be a deliverable you give to the client, but there had to be something tangible produced because that way, now remember, these are big 150 people on a project, mm. projects, right? Um, but if you do that, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second because uh, <laughs> I started thinking about those big projects we used to work on. Um <laughs> If you um, break the job down like that and uh, you have the 80 hour rule, you always know where you are within mm. two weeks of, on the project schedule. So if, if, if you, if, if something got behind, we weren't months behind. I mean, you've probably um, you've worked in software development enough. You've probably heard that thing where the last 10% of the project takes as long as the first 90%. Yeah. And that's generally why. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's, I mean, yeah. I, I Makes think, you want to take my training, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't actually uh, do websites anymore, but if I was, I absolutely would. Yeah. So on that note, let's get into it. So what is, where do people go to, I know, I know we've kind of mentioned it already, but I think. Right. So I have, I have uh, several free trainings on the front page of my website, as well mm-hmm. as a link to the, sales page, I guess you'd call it, that tells all about the WP Project Managers Academy. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I I got from the recurring revenue retreat, uh, you know, is that, again, I can't teach project management in in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I wasn't really considering our audience. WordPress folks need a try it before you buy it approach. They're used to it. That's the way plugins work. That's the way, you know, themes Mm -hmm. work. Sometimes, you know, you, you get the, the basic version, and then you move up to the more advanced when you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so the when you join the WP Project Managers Academy, you get immediate access to the, to the WordPress Project Management 101 roadmap. And that gives you all of the stuff we were talking about today that gives you all that basic stuff, as well as some done-for-you templates and things like that. And then when people finish that, they have the opportunity to enroll in the advanced program, which is the new revamped version of the complete project management roadmap for WordPress. And the way I'm doing that is breaking it down into smaller roadmaps that solve a particular problem or address a particular phase of the project management life cycle, right? So um, the thing that everyone struggles with the most, and you know this, I know this, it's near and dear to our heart. I've done survey after survey, Scope creeps up there, but the number one thing is getting content from the client on time. <laughs> it's the thing. So um, that's the first one I'm working on in terms of the advanced program. And I'll be teaching front to back content snare because it is the best thing since sliced wow. bread, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, and see, I knew, I knew of who you were before I met you at the recurring revenue retreat. Cause you can't, cause I search on those kind of things and you were like in my Facebook feed, like every five minutes. So <laughs> you were kind of like a rock star to me. Right. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> I started listening to you talk, and we started having these conversations over dinner and you know, all of that. And I realized that we are like on the same page about so many things. And then that got me to thinking, and then I'm listening to Mike Killen and he's saying things that go along with what I'm saying. And that's when I got the idea that, you know, I can't do this by myself. 
I have to help people with what comes before managing the project and what comes after managing the project. So within that advanced program, I have a lesson from you. I have a lesson from some of the other experts that I met at the recurring revenue retreat. And then some of the people that are my mentors in the WordPress space Mm -hmm. um, on client management and recurring revenue uh, or managing, maintaining the sites afterwards, you know, like, um, manage WP or go, go daddy pro and, um, go WP. So all of those folks are contributing into that advanced program. And what, what I'm trying to do here is, you know, there's so much noise out there, right? There's Mm -hmm. another expert, another shiny tool, another new way of doing things and people get distracted. So what I'm trying to do is provide one, method of doing things with one set of experts from front to back and then take that and then go tweak it and figure out what works best for you. But we know that that whole process works because all of these subject matter experts have, have proven that it works. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And the whole, um, I guess outcome based mini course thing is, is a great idea, right? Like, and this is, uh, I hear this advice all the time, you know, like don't, just transfer knowledge for the sake of transfer knowledge, you should be teaching an outcome, which is, I actually struggle this with a little bit with my Zapier mastery course. Cause it's like Zapier is so open-ended. It's kind of like, I, all I can do is really teach the knowledge, but it's like, I don't, there's no specific thing that I can teach. It's just like with this skill set, now you can go and apply it and, uh, and save a bunch of time. But you know, you are in a position where you can say, this is how you apply it. And this is the actual end result. And so you've got that outcome uh, that you can give people, which is awesome. And probably a lot easier to sell. (laughs) Right. So, so we've got the content collection roadmap. We'll have a scope creep roadmap. We'll Mm -hmm. have a roadmap on risk and issues with a lot of things that people don't address. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, then we'll also break it down into like the proposal phase and the, the, the deep dive, how do you do, how do you build that website spec and, mm. and all of that stuff to, as well. So Awesome. Well, we will link all of this up uh, in the show notes. I would recommend going over to WPRoadmaps.com and uh, actually signing up for this free course. The fact that it's free is nuts, right? So there's really nothing to lose. So um, go and check that out. Um, and I know, Beth, that you have actually looked at the questions. My, my, I used to have some go-to questions at the end of every episode that I just kind of stop asking. And I know you read them, so I feel like I have to now. So what would you go back and tell Minnie, you just starting out? Okay, that one I didn't really think about. But it, it's, not because, <laughs> it's, not because, it's not because you gave me the questions. It's because I've been listening to your podcast. I've been binge oh. listening to your podcast like from way back when you first started oh, wow. awesome. all the way through. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a total fangirl. I have to just tell you that. Oh. I just am. <laughs> I thought when you were saying before that, you know, like you, you uh, had rock star status and then we met at, in Florida, I was expecting the next sentence to be like, yeah, and then I realized you're just a giant douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, 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 you were exactly as I expected you to be. And, <laughs> well, that's good. And, but, but what was so neat about that conference and I know you're big on people going to conferences and yeah. networking and stuff too. But what was so neat about that one is it was so small. I got to meet the rock stars. I got to meet people that I really did. Mike Kilman. Kind of guard. And I now they're my friends. Yeah. So I love that. 
yeah. how good is it? Hey, like, uh, I, I go on, like, you know, I, I go on about conferences all the time and I'm really hanging out for um, Lee Jackson's uh, Agency Transformation Live, which I know you are now speaking at as well. So congrats. Yes, I'm excited. Yeah, that's uh, for those listening, that's in on the 6th to 8th of May, um, just outside of London in Wellingborough, I believe it's called. Um, but I'd also encourage you, if you're in the States, you don't want to come all the way to the UK, check out the Recurring Revenue Retreat. Um, that was where Beth and I met last year. And like there were just so many awesome people like Brad Morrison from GoWP, Cliff Almeida from um, uh, my the... Eight, oh my god um my web, audit, audit. my web audit i'm like what's the name i know it does audits <laughs> <laughs> oh i just had a, a absolute um, mind blank there kim doyle and oh my god like mike killen the list was just huge it was so much fun it was great that's and that that's world. coming up in november and mentioned that it's at disney world oh yeah yeah so that's like that was the fun is like we're in the middle of disney world for a conference that was insane last yeah, last I, time I, we had to deal with a hurricane though that was on the way and i had to leave early because i didn't want to get hit with a category five hurricane which never yeah. actually happened yeah but, anyway. but that was that was a great one okay so mini me i would say um yeah Focus on project uh, management. Earlier. There's just so many. There's so many lessons that I could tell. You know, um, don't get so caught up in. And 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 part of this is because Killen told me this too. <laughs> um, instead of getting so focused on this product has got to be perfect before you start launching it, and and um, you know, not, not everything has to be perfect in order to get it out there in front of people that sometimes they can help you with that, mm. making it nice. better. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, your favorite piece of technology right now. <laughs> I love this one. Content snare. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it really oh, is. And I'll tell you why. Cause I knew you, I, I, I thought if you asked me that question, it would seem like a setup or whatever, but no, it's not. It really is such a great tool because I'm such an adamant, um, believer in keeping that content activities outside of the design and outside of the website. And there's nobody else, nothing. And there's some, a couple of plugins that do this. And, um, you know, there might, I was using emails and folders on a Dropbox and God, it just gets so confusing. And so when I really, and I had seen your, like I said, I'd seen your product in my feed a lot, but I never really looked at it because I thought, well, that's got to be expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's really not that expensive <laughs> for the, for the value that you provide. I mean, it's really Thank just you. super. Um, if people will put it into a process that also works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's always the key is actually cooking any of the stuff into your process, right? Like, it's the tool by itself doesn't magically fix everything. You know, like I don't go and sign up for Asana and be like, yay, now my projects are managed. Um, like just like with content snare, it's like now uh, all my content's fixed, you know, like there are, there's a, there's an investment into any tool that you sign up for that continues to pay back, you know, like, and, and I mean, that's our biggest, um, I guess, issue with content snares a lot of people sign up and then never do anything with it and and they might churn out or cancel right but because and that, that's literally our biggest cancellation reason is like i just didn't get time to use it or i just didn't use it right um so but then i talked to people like i literally just got off a call with someone else who works in a large agency in the uk um and like it's literally half the time they spend on client content but it, it took them a while before they had the time to implement it. 
right? And this is the way I actually, like I try to address everything in my business, right? If I'm going to spend some time on automation, it's like, yeah, this is going to take me two hours to set up, but that's going to pay me back in time forever or, you know, until I don't need to do that process anymore. Um, and like, that is how you get to the point of doing less work is by you know, actually investing your time into stuff with leverage where you get your time back later. And it does take a little bit of time to set content snare up, like to develop your own templates and all of that mm. stuff so that the process when you onboard a new client is fairly easy. But like you said, if you invest that time on the front end, it's going to save you so much more time on the back end. Yeah. And that's to everything. Like, I don't want to sound that to sound like, oh, you have to do content, use content snare for this. Like, this is literally everything. Every like tool or process or whatever, it takes time. You know, right now I'm going through a content style guide because we're going really hard on content marketing this year. So I have this enormous process about like every piece of the, the content thing. Like if it's a guest post and someone hasn't um, like sent what they said they were going to send, we have a follow-up process to actually get them to send, you know. So every little piece is now this like giant thing and it's taken me forever to set up. But once that's done, I'll be able to give it to other people and, and other people in our team. And, and then it's, I don't have to do it again. So, Right. Well, and that's, that's, that's just the, the crux of what I teach my students. Mm. Process is everything. If you can define and then refine your process um, and just you know, write down everything the way you do it right now. If it's working for you, write it down, document it, and, and get that, and then start looking at it and going, are there spots where we can improve that? Mm, absolutely. You know, it's everything. That's it. Beth, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. I always enjoy talking to you, especially about productivity and project management <laughs> and content and all of that. Absolutely. There's so much gold in here. I can't wait to share it. Um, if you guys want to go check out uh, Beth's stuff at WPRoadmaps.com, jump on that uh, free course. It's going to be unbelievably helpful for you. Um, yeah, I just, just go and do it. There's nothing to lose. So Beth, thank you again for joining me. I'll see you next time. Thank you. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.